Hello and welcome everyone. This is Untold Stories podcast. I'm your host, Osama Gawish. Last week, the British newspaper, The Guardian and Middle East Monitor website published secret videos showing the torture of Egyptian prisoners inside two police stations. The Guardian said it took steps to verify the videos where possible, including requesting an assessment of the videos by a trusted expert. Detainees shown in the video also named multiple police officers who are listed in news reports as serving at Al-Salam First Police Station. Middle East Monitor said that the two new videos showing the torture of detainees inside Katamiya prison in Egypt have been leaked to memo by outspoken Egyptian asylum living in Chicago, Ali Hossein Mahdi. One video showed two detainees stripped down to their underwear and left to hang from the metal grate by their arms, which are cuffed behind their backs. The other video shows detainees in a crowded cell displaying multiple poses and wounds in their bodies to the camera. One detainee can be seen with an open wound on his head. Another detainee addresses the camera saying, This is the investigative police. They don't even want to bring us food. Human rights group said the videos are visual evidence of widespread abuses that they have been documenting in police stations and detention centers across Egypt for the past decade. The video surfaced nearly 12 years after the death of Khaled Said, a 28-year-old civilian in police custody in Alexandria in June 2010. Said's death proved to be a watershed inciting public anger at the impunity of security forces and their treatment of Egyptian citizens. And sparking the revolution on the 25th Jan 2011, the 18 days of national-wide protest that followed ended the decades-long reign of autocrat Hosni Mubarak, where abuses by security bodies were widespread. Yet 11 years after the uprising, testimonies and evidence collected by rights group allege that abuses by Egypt's security services are once again out of control. Since coming to power after a military coup in 2013, Sisi has presided over a renewed era of impunity for security forces down to the lowest ranks of the police. The Egyptian media loyal to Sisi regime denied these videos, accusing the Guardian, Middle East Monitor, and Ali Hussein Mahdi of being Muslim Brotherhood arms who work against the state. In this episode, we will discuss this leaked video, look at the human rights situation in Egypt, and shed light on the national strategy of human rights. And joining me today, our two guests, Joe Stork. He's recently retired as Deputy Director for the Middle East and North Africa Division of Human Rights Watch. His work focused on violations of international human rights and humanitarian law by states and arms group, particularly in Iraq, Egypt, Bahrain, and in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Before joining Human Rights Watch in 1996, he co-founded the Middle East Research and Information Project, and from 1971 to 1995, he was the chief editor of its magazine, Middle East Report. Thank you very much, Joey, for joining me today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. And Amelia Smith, a recognized name within the human rights and the global issues sector. As a columnist and author of features, she works closely with communities facing the most serious challenges within the UK, Egypt, Syria, and the MENA region. She has edited two nonfiction books about Egypt and the Arab Spring and interviewed scores of political prisoners and their families. Her work has been translated into many languages. Thank you very much, Amelia, for joining me today. Thanks very much for having me. 
Great. Amelia, let me kick off this discussion. But before the first question, just um, let our listeners know that you can join the discussion, ask a question or make contribution. Just press the uh, call button on the right down and you will be held in a caller's queue. So, um, Amelia, you were the journalist who published two of these leaked video at Medlist Monitor. What we know so far about these videos? So these videos, they were sent to me by Ali Hussein Mahdi, who lives in America. And they were recorded last year in Katamea prison. And they, you know, in the footage, as you described, you can see one prisoner lying face down. He has a blindfold over his eyes. He has his arms and legs bound behind him. And the videos corroborate what many human rights organizations have written reports about, what many former political prisoners or their families have told me about what happens in prison in Egypt, which is that torture is rife and it's a very nasty, punitive measure, which is used against anyone who's critical of the regime or anyone who's perceived to be critical of the Egyptian regime. And these videos for me as a journalist, they were really important because we have a lot of statistics about what happens in prisons in Egypt. For example, in the last six months of 2021, last year, nearly 60 people died in Egyptian prisons. And these statistics are really important, but the videos, you know, they remind us that these are real people. They're not just numbers. That could be your son, your husband, your father in that position held like that. And, you know, as Ali said to me after he sent me the video, Ali himself Three of his family members are in an Egyptian prison. And, you know, he said, is that what is happening to my family? And this raises a, a, a very important question. Who is Ali Hussein Mahdi? So Ali is an outspoken Egyptian who lives in America. So, and he speaks out vocally about human rights abuses back in Egypt from America where it's he is more able to do so and um, he for example in early last year as a punitive measure again against him against his against what he says about the Egyptian regime his cousin, his father, and his uncle were arrested in back in Egypt to try and silence him. And But he continues to talk about human rights violations. And whenever he does, he, his, the Egyptian government or the state media which support the Egyptian government try and discredit him. So, for example, after these videos were leaked to the Guardian and to Middle East Monitor, he a hashtag was started in Egypt, which was expose Ali Hussein Mahdi's lies in Arabic. And the official and state-run media all made comments to say that the videos were fabricated, which is often, you know, what you'll see when when announcements or when things make international headlines that, you know, try to 
the Egyptian government or its supporters will try to discredit it. Great. I, I will back to the media um, dealing with these videos uh, shortly. But, Joey, what are your views on these leaked videos? Well, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, uh, what we see in those videos is, uh, is absolutely uh, very much like things we have documented that I myself have uh, had people have had uh, Egyptian prisoners tell me about what happened to them. The whole scenery with his, the arms pulled up behind their back, this sort of thing, dislocating their shoulders. Um, this seems to be one of the favored techniques of jailers and pr prison officials in, in Egypt. Um, I think one thing worth pointing out, the, these, this kind of treatment uh, happens primarily, well, I wouldn't say primarily in terms of numbers, but uh, where we've documented it, it has to do with uh, uh, the, the officials, the officers trying to get confessions out of people. So it's it's uh, it's to coerce their, uh, their confessing that they've done something, uh, broken some laws, or to implicate uh, other people uh, in uh, in such offenses. Um, but at the same time, it's the same kind of thing could happen to somebody who just ends up in a police station. Uh, the uh, sort of operating assumption of police in, in Egypt seems to be if you're in the police station, uh, you know, it must be the result of some sort of moral turpitude or some kind of offense, and therefore we're just going to punish you. So it's, it's, it's really kind of all over the place in terms of, uh, of uh, motivation. Uh, but as I said, what we saw in those videos is very, very consistent with what uh, we have been documenting over many, many years. That the Egyptian regime, Joe, used to deny any allegation regarding torture, specifically torture inside prisons or police station. You, as a human rights expert, how do you see this? Well, uh, the Egyptian government, like many other governments, uh, denies this kind of... They, they understand it's a crime. They understand it's an outrage. Um, but rather than own up to it or to take steps to uh, bring it under control, uh, mainly by holding the perpetrators accountable... Uh, no, they simply deny it. And people, Egyptians who, um, you know, who make these claims are then, uh, for, in for instance, relatives uh, are, are then jailed and, uh, and themselves accused of, you know, um, publishing false news, that sort of thing. That's a, that's a, that's a, a well-known uh, reason for being arrested these days in Egypt. Yeah, and Amelia, as a journalist, how do you see that? The first response always to any criticism regarding human rights in Egypt always came from the media and TV anchors loyal to CCRG. Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary how much the media just kind of support or kind of toe the official line. and and But there are so many reports by human rights organizations who've interviewed former political prisoners who've been in jail. There are journalistic reports about what takes place. Um, and then when something like these videos get leaked, it's becoming harder and harder for people, for supporters of the Egyptian government to deny that this is taking place and there are there is a serious, serious problem with human rights violations in Egypt today. Egyptian media accused Middle East Monitor, where you published this report, and accused The Guardian and Ali Hussein Mahdi of being Muslim Brotherhood members 
and working against the state. So as a journalist in the UK, Amelia, what are your thoughts regarding these allegations? Well, I think this is the go-to thing that the Egyptian government uses now. They've outlawed the Muslim Brotherhood. So we've seen cases where they've accused outspoken critics of the Muslim Brotherhood of being part of the Muslim Brotherhood. We've seen them accuse Christian and uh, Christian Egyptians of being part of the Muslim Brotherhood. It's, it's, it's just their tactic. It's what they do. It's, they just accuse everyone of being part of the Muslim Brotherhood. And I believe that state run media is so against the Brotherhood and has kind of degraded them so much that you know, perhaps this helps people who are supporting the government in Egypt to to not believe exactly what is happening in their own country. Yeah, and Joe, the, the same thing, Joe, for Human Rights Watch, I've heard many allegations and accusations from the Egyptian media accused the Human Rights Watch that it's a political arm for human uh, for Muslim Brotherhood and the Brotherhood's funding Human Rights Watch to attack the Egyptian state and attack the Sisi regime. Uh, yeah. You have worked for Human Rights Watch for maybe more than 25 years now. How do you deal in Human Rights Watch with such Well, I mean, the first thing, of course, is about state-run media is that it's state-run. Uh, and indeed, in, in Egypt, it, it definitely it's not only state-owned in, in most cases, it's state-run. Uh, a number of the primary outlets both uh, electronic and print are affiliated with with the general intelligence services uh so they're they're run by by the security people themselves or by people who the security people put in charge of the of those news outlets uh the other thing to note is that when journalists uh independent Egyptian journalists uh, raise questions about these sorts of things or or publish information uh, uh, about them, they themselves end up in jail. And so Egypt is uh, the 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 organizations like the Committee to Protect Journalists or Reporters Without Borders and so forth. Egypt is is one of the worst jailers in the world of, of, of journalists and and people active on social media. And, and the same thing goes for, of course, for uh, Egyptian human rights activists, people who are still in Egypt, Egyptians who are still there in the country trying to carry out uh, documentation and so forth. They themselves, more than a few of them, end up in, in, in prison and disappeared, put before emergency state security courts uh, for, you know, um, trumped up kangaroo trials. Uh, so that is, you know, it's all it's par for the course there. Yeah, excellent. And let me take um, our callers. Which Dan, if you unmute yourself, please. And go uh, ahead. Hi, thank you. Uh, I want to thank you first for this uh, important topic. I have two questions, please. One for Amelia and the other for Joey. Um, first of all, Amelia, my question is um, for an um, for uh, a media platform like uh, the Gordon or or a monitor do you guys uh, or any journalist do you guys air those videos without making sure that these are correct and they're not fake or made up um, and um, um, I'm sure you did that but that would give credibility to the person 
who actually um, gave you those videos? That's my first question. My second question for Joey, um, how can we, as a human rights activist, um, how can we um, make the, the CC regime accountable for those crimes? Um, actually, that we all know, but if we have um, su such a, an evidence, how can we act to make this regime accountable for this spe a specific act? And my general question for Osama, um, Ali said in your um, conversation with him that those videos were the reason for the, for cutting off the 130 million uh, aid from the U.S. Uh, I want to make sure that this is a, a correct data. Thank you very much, Rujdan. I'll answer uh, your question, but Amelia, if you want to jump in, how to make sure that this is these videos are credible? It's not fabricated or fake videos. Yeah. So these, so Ali Hussein Massey is someone who I've know, who I know and have spoken to many times over different issues, particularly to do with his family. So if he tells me they were sent to him by a video, um, excuse me, by a, a prisoner, then I then I believe him. But also, if you can see in the image that the the position he is held in this prisoner when he's face down with his blindfold and handcuffed has been corroborated many times of what happens in Egyptian prisons, both by human rights reports and by people who I've interviewed. Um, the Guardian, I can't speak on behalf of them. They, um, I believe someone from Human Rights Watch looked at the videos that were sent to them. Yeah, and um, I want to add that The Guardian said in um, its report, um, it took steps to verify videos where possible, including requesting an assessment of the videos by a trusted experts. And they referred to detainees shown in the video also named multiple police officers who are listed in news reports as serving at a Salam First police station. And they interviewed Amr Magdi, he's a researcher, from Human Rights Watch. And, and Joe, this is also another important question for you as a human rights expert, how to make sure that these videos are real? Well, I can't speak to the videos that we're talking about. Uh, I, I mean, I saw them, I saw the Guardian story, of course, and I, and I watched the videos, but I don't have the, first of all, I don't have the technical expertise to be able to not, after all, the issue is not only that the, what we see in the videos corroborates what we ourselves have documented, what I myself have do has documented in the past. Um, but there's issue, when was it made? I mean, how do we know? And, and so forth. Now, I assume the, I have to assume that The Guardian has ways of ascertaining this and would not have gone ahead and published what they did without having come to that conclusion. That's, those are certainly steps we would take before we publish uh, things like that. And we do publish things like that, after all. Yeah, um, and back to Wijdan questions, how to hold CC regime accountability. Yeah, well, look, I mean, what we can do as human, uh, one human rights organization and as part of a whole network of uh, sort of what I call the human rights community, you know, we can document these things, we can publicize these things, um, we, but we don't have any way of enforcing, you know, compliance. We can't, we don't have the means of, of uh holding people accountable directly. We can shame them and we can press governments like the U.S. government. And I, and I want to get to Adan's question about that in a second. 
but to also other governments that support uh, the CC regime. Uh, France is a big one in terms of weapon sales, in terms of political alliance and so forth. Um, So, you know, again, we raise these issues in in the case of the U.S., in Congress, directly with the uh, with the Biden administration. I don't think that the videos themselves were the reason why the Biden administration made the decision it did to withhold the uh, $1.3 million worth in in military aid. Um, for yeah, as, as I think you know, uh, the administration has set out certain conditions, uh, the release of a dozen or so specific uh, political prisoners by name. We don't know the names, but we know there has been, in fact, over the last few months, uh, uh, some very important releases of uh, of political prisoners, people who had been in, in jail, people who had undergone that kind of treatment. Uh, but by the same token, other key activists, key human rights activists in Egypt are still in prison, are still serving long prison terms. So it shows on the one hand that pressure from uh, from Egypt's allies like Washington, like Paris, uh, can have some effect. Uh, but it also shows that there isn't enough pressure from Washington, from Paris, from other capitals uh, to, 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 to make this happen. Uh, I, I think that's, that's my primary uh, answer, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think my answer to your question was that if you want to jump in again to the colors queue, uh, you are uh, welcome. But uh, Ali said with me, yeah, it's, it's um, he postponed the publishing of these videos from November until this date because this is the, the, the end of the agreement between Biden administration and Sisi regime to just make sure that the Egyptian regime respects human rights and there is a fundamental change in the human rights situation in Egypt. So he thought that by publishing this report before the 30th of January and with the anniversary of the revolution, it will put pressure on the Sisi regime and would help the Biden administration to take the decision. But I think Joe answer this question. It is not only about this leaked video. There is um, politics, these policies. There is other things rather than publishing leaked video because I'm sure that Biden administration know well what's going on inside the prisons in Egypt regarding the torture and the human rights um, violation. I hope I answered your question with Dan. And if you want um, further discussion, just press the call button and the floor will be yours. Last week, activist Rami Shaath, who spent over 900 days in prison in Egypt, talked to many, uh, talked on many occasions about his time in detention. He revealed the human rights violation in Egypt, describing Egypt as a republic of fear. Let's listen to what Rami said to CNN Christian Amanapour last week. Torture, and what was the worst of being in jail? Um, uh, I started my jail time with the three days of uh, forced disappearance, uh, handcuffed, blindfolded, attached to the wall for three days. And I ended that with the last three days of uh, my period. During the two and a half years, I stayed in a 23 square meter, like 240 foot uh, square uh, room, like a small living room with 18 to 32 people. We basically at points had uh, this amount of space, two hand fists and a half uh, for sleeping, for eating, for living. Uh, we at points had to sleep in order because there was no enough space. We were sleeping on the floor 
with a small blanket uh, that we can use on, uh, with the rundown walls, brick walls around us, uh, with a small one meter by 75 square meter bathroom with a hole in it and a cold shower on top of it in which you have to, all the people go to the same bathroom, shower, eat, uh, clean their clothes, uh, clean their food at the same time. Uh, treatment inhumane, the amount of food uh, we've been able to get through our families with very minimum, absolutely no medical care. Um, I can could not even start with the uh, atrocities I've seen people passing through. Mm-hmm. Yes, with my name and status, I've been subjected to much less than what people have been subjected to. But what I had been through for 900 days was horrific. And Joe, surprise, surprise, the, in a statement, the Egyptian internal ministry denied what Ramishath said during this interview, claiming that he had received all his rights in detention. You have been working for 25 years now in Human Rights Watch. In cases like this, how human rights organization can deal with such a narrative from Egyptian regime? Well, you know, Rami is not the only person who's who has this narrative, who has had this experience. He's 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 quite a high profile figure, uh, in part because uh, uh, his 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 wife is a French national, and she has been very active in France. Made it uh, because of, in part, I think, because of the close relationships between Paris and Cairo. Uh, she was able to leverage that in this case to help very much helped get Rami out of prison. Uh, but, uh, you know, he spent, as he, as he said, he spent over 900 days. And even the getting out, even those days between when he was, uh, when they announced his release and when he actually was able to fly uh, out of Cairo, he was again disappeared. I mean, this kind of thing, uh, it, it, it's absolutely shameless, uh, the, way, the way the Egyptian authorities behave. Um, and, uh, but, but as I said, it's, you know, what Rami's experience is, is it, he has a, a profile that enables him to be heard on Christian Manipur show. Uh, but he also gave the same kind of presentation to, uh, members of members of the, uh, European parliament and in private, I know that in private briefings he gave, uh, in, in Paris to human rights activists there. Uh, he was even much more explicit about what he had to endure. And Amelia, regarding Romy, what he said, the media in Egypt loyal to Sisi attack CNN, attack Kristen Amanapur, and every single platform who offer Romy space to express his thoughts and talk about his hard times in detention. As a journalist, how can you deal with a regime like this? Every time you interview people, uh, from opposition, you reveal a human rights violation, the, the regime media accusing you, with, uh, you are uh, spread the false news and fabricating this story. Yeah, I mean, this is how the Egyptian government and its supporters work. And I can, it's incredibly frustrating. But I do think that uh, Egyptians are very good at using social media. So for example, this leave cc hashtag was trending for i think it was over a week um and egyptians were using it to post about human rights violations by the regime and i know there have been lots of ways you you hear a lot of stories in fact i think rami said himself that when he was in prison towards the end of his sentence he would hear a lot more 
about people that were kind of joining him in the prison because of a social media post they wrote. So obviously the government is also finding ways to crack down on this. But I I feel like where there's an injustice and where there's all these human rights violations that people are finding ways around the fact that the media is state-run and different spaces and different ways to share share their thoughts and their feelings about something like the violations that Rami went through. Yeah, and Joe, regarding the Egyptian regime narrative, uh, President Sisi announced the new national strategy for human rights. From your perspective, is it a step forward toward justice and human rights in Egypt? Uh, no, it isn't. Uh, certainly the assessment of our colleagues in Egypt, the Egyptian human rights activists there, is that it's a complete sham. It completely ignores the actual uh, problems, the actual vi- serious violations. Uh, and, you know, the answer, if you really wanted to uh, address Egypt's human rights crisis, and it is a crisis, uh, the way to do it is deterrence. The way to do it is hold perpetrators of abuse accountable. Uh, and there's absolutely none of that. Uh, it's, and, you know, it's... it's m- the other piece of that is this uh, new NGO law, laws of associations, which, uh, you know, CC also said this year, 2022, was going to be the, the, uh, the year of civil society. But his, the law his regime has, uh, has, has put forth, you know, basically has, uh, again, general intelligence and other offices like that basically controlling any kind of civic activism, any kind of uh, political act. Well, political activity is by definition prohibited, um, and as you know, there's, uh, there's there are no no demonstrations, no 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 right of peaceful assembly uh, in Sisi's Egypt. So you know, there's um, there, there's absolutely no no way that, uh, and I and I frankly I don't think that this um, uh, this announcement, this new national. Uh, initiative that CC announced this year on human rights. No one takes this seriously. I mean, aside from the, the state-run press and their toadies, no one takes it seriously. Hmm. But um, CC have his his own idea and own thoughts regarding any criticism. Now, Joe, you all see in the, during the uh, the World Youth Forum uh, last month, he answered a question from Monte Carlo reporter regarding this um, decline in human rights situation, and he said. Do you think you know or care about our people more than us? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What's your thoughts in Human Rights Watch about this answer? Well, I think it, it speaks for itself. Of course, it's, it's obvious from uh, from what we uh, what we see the regime doing uh, that uh, CC's protestations of care. But I mean, look at, at not even Human Rights Watch. Look at look at social and economic rights. I mean, how is how is Egypt's uh, 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 national wealth being used? It's not being used to assist people, uh, to uh, provide them with what they need. It's being used to build a, a new capital many miles away from Cairo. It's being used on, on vanity projects, uh, cat, you know, uh, uh, on uh, on on castles for Sisi and his uh, his entourage, the military, uh, which is where Sisi comes from, uh, it basically has more or less a stranglehold on the key sectors of the economy. So, you know, okay, Mr. Sisi, uh, put uh, put your deeds where your your mouth is on that. I'd say. 
And Amelia, a few months ago, you featured how the regime targeted the families of Egyptian activists in exile. But the president of Egypt, he, he think that he don't know or care about his people more than him. So why you keep covering Egyptian? Um, sorry. The, so the report I did on um, on the families being targeted was yeah because Sisi. I mean, so he's we've described in the show like the many ways in which he's cracked down on Egyptians, the horrific torture we can see in the videos, the jailing political prisoners and pre-trial detention, and, you know, the alarming rate at which death penalty has been handed out. And I think this is, you know, stunned a lot of Egyptians into silence. I think people, you know, if you think that, what what is happening on that video could happen to you of course you would think twice about speaking out um but i think that the egyptian government really struggled with egyptians who were abroad so someone like ali who moved to america and was able to have you know was in a country where he was able to share his views more than he w- would be in egypt so um the Egyptian government had to find a way to crack down on outspoken Egyptians who were living abroad. And in 2018, Sisi himself, he made, he promised in a video that was circulated that he would hold people accountable. And this video became a big subject of debate among the Egyptian, you know, opposition or dissidents, the, what does he mean? How will he hold us accountable? And, you know, some people thought, oh, perhaps, you know, what happened to Jamal Khashoggi will happen to us. But they realised that over time what he was doing was he was targeting family members of Egyptians who lived abroad. So, for example... <clears throat> So, for example, if I had a cousin or an uncle who was still in Egypt and I was criticising human rights violations from abroad, they would be arrested and forcibly disappeared. And, you know, it's had some really, really terrible consequences. Like last year, I interviewed the brother, um, a, a journalist. He was he had a big platform in Turkey and from which he criticised the Egyptian government. And his brother, who was a very famous psychiatrist, was imprisoned as a punitive measure, and he actually died of coronavirus in prison. Yeah. His name is Haytham Abu Khalil. He's our yes. colleague in Turkey. Yeah. And the brother, so, his doctor, was Dr. Amr Abu Khalil. He died in prison. Yeah. So I don't believe that... that the Egyptian government has the best interests or wants to enhance the rights of Egyptian people as they announced yeah. for the national human rights strategy. Okay, let's go to our callers. Abrahman, if you unmute yourself, please, and go ahead. Hi, Osama. And, hi. Um, hi, Osama. Emily, Joe. Uh, first of all, thank you for uh, discussing this matter. Um I know exactly myself how, uh, what's Amelia talk about, how families of the sons in Egypt could be or activists 
uh, human rights activists could be in danger because of their opinions. Uh, before I'm asking, I just have a question, but before going there, I know exactly what she's talking about because if um, my my three brothers already now in prison because just because I was a journalist and uh, just one of uh, 25 January uh, uh, revolution because of my opinions against this military regime in Egypt. And I can't say more about what's happened to my family, what's happened to my mom, what's happened to everyone uh, uh, outside Egypt, if you just try to say something against the regime. Uh, my question here about the, the topic, exactly what, about Ali, what Ali said, Ali Mahdi, um, uh, I, I, I listened to, uh, to hear, uh, to his uh, uh, interview with you, Osama, or uh, whatever he said with you. Um, actually, it's, it's so, so interesting and really serious. But the most point I can't understand uh, when he said about, when he's talking about uh, Giorgio Gini, he said himself, he said, he said what, by, by his eyes, a video or a leaked video of the process of torturing and murdering Giorgio Regini. Um, I, as as far as we know, that uh, Giorgio Regini didn't or uh, never, uh, as no one told before, that he been murdered by. Um, uh, is never been shot. I I didn't hear before any report saying that Giorgio Regini shot by someone uh, from uh, state security or national security or whatever. What we heard, what we know, that he being tortured and uh, um, then he uh, uh, killed while being torturing. So um, I wish if we know more from Ali and why why this video. If he, he's talking about other videos, he can't uh, expose or can't leave or can't just view it to, to the public. So what about this video? If this video, uh, uh, if this matter is re uh, uh, real, why? Why he not uh, give this video to the Guardian, to the Middle East Eye, Middle East Monitor, whatever, any platform? This is my first question. Uh, I want to uh, listen to, to, your, to, to your answer, Osama, and also uh, from Emily, if he already discussed this with her or not. Uh, the second one about um, also another matter. Uh, but I, I wish if if Ali here, so I can discuss with uh, this with him. So I will uh, postpone it until you can uh, just if you interview him uh, later. Sam, thank you. That's me. Okay, thank you, Abrahman. Um, just for um, Joe and Amelia and for our uh, listeners, I interviewed Ali Mahdi in my TV show last Friday, and he said that he witnessed uh, a leaked video showing how Jolie Regini being killed. He was shot from zero distance by police officers, and I questioned this announcement and asked him, why you not uh, publish it? Why not send it to The Guardian? Or as any whistleblower, no one will know that you sent this video to them. But he, I, I invited him to be with us today. He preferred not to be with us today. And he said, it's it's enough to, to, to have the interview with you on last Friday. So... To be honest, I don't know Abrahman. Uh, he has his own circumstances. He has his own plans to publish this uh, whenever he, he, he wants to do this. I, I don't know why. Maybe there is a threat. Maybe there is in, his life in danger, has relative in danger in Egypt. I don't know. I have no idea. I just questioned him. I asked him more than one 
time why you don't send this to another people to publish it. And he said, I can't say anything. So I, I, I hope I answered um, your question. So uh, back to our guest again, Joe. This year, the regime hosted the World Youth Forum and many foreign reporters and human rights defenders questioned CC about the decline situation of human rights. But again, the regime representative responds in a different way. Let us listen to the delegation of Egypt response during the model of United Nations Human Rights Council session. Thank you, Mr. President. Your Excellency, Mr. President, the delegation of the Arab Republic of Egypt has requested the floor to exercise its right to reply when it comes to the allegations regarding the human rights situation, which we entirely reject. In this framework, I'd like to update you all on the efforts exerted by the Egyptian state to consolidate human rights in Egypt. Mr. President, the Egyptian state has spared no effort to adopt a comprehensive approach when it comes to human rights. It launched the National Strategy for Human Rights last September, which is a clear translation of constitutional texts. These texts are not limited to civil and political rights, albeit important, but it went well beyond that. When it comes to the right to life, Egypt has vigorously fought on behalf of the whole world through law enforcement agencies, extremely violent terrorist attacks in a very unstable regional landscape, which called for exceptional measures to protect the lives of Egyptian citizens and their own properties. Once the Egyptian efforts proved successful in countering terrorism, His Excellency, the President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, issued a decree to lift the extension of the emergency of state to announce a new republic in Egypt based on equity, justice, democracy, human rights, and promoting the rule of law. Okay, so Joe, the new republic of Egypt promotes justice, democracy, and human rights, and the rule of law. What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't have any thoughts on this. I only have laughter. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, I'm not sure why uh, the point of playing this sort of thing, Osama, it's complete nonsense from beginning to end. Uh, I mean, what it's what we, it's what we, it's the kind of blather, I guess we expect uh, from this government, the CC government and governments like him. It's not the only one in the world, unfortunately. So, you know, Frank, I wouldn't pay it any mind. Uh, do you think anybody else listened to it and was convinced by it? The problem is, Joe, is this is one of the biggest challenges. I believe that we as journalists defending human rights and you as human rights defenders facing with this regime, every time you raise a human rights violation, they, they respond like this. Even in a world youth forum with a hundred of uh, foreign reporters. Yeah, but they don't, they don't. They don't dare try and raise these raise these issues with the reporters themselves. They don't dare try and have an open press conference, for instance, in Cairo or anywhere else. They don't dare. First, were there any kind of serious questions at this forum? I don't know, but I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. So, you know, this is they 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 pick their audiences. They select who can come in. They select who will have to listen to them. Uh, and then uh, they put forth this this uh, to total fiction, total nonsense. I mean, I wouldn't pay it any mind, frankly. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, let's back to Abrahman again. If you have another question, Abrahman, go ahead, please. Uh, thank you, Osama. Uh, actually, it's the same question. Uh, I think maybe uh, not being uh, heard uh, properly. Um, I, I asked Amelia, uh, what, uh, did um, Ali uh, discuss the video of uh, Julie Regine, murdering Julie Regine with her, or did she, or have she seen uh, the video by herself? Uh, um, by any mean, uh, this is my question to Emily because I think she already uh, discussed uh, many matters with uh, Zali before. Thank you. No, sorry, I I haven't discussed this particular issue with Ali. No, so I don't have any more information about it. Could I jump in here, please? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, please. look, whatever what I understand to be Ali's position, as Abdurrahman related it, uh, is completely. You know, it just has nothing to do with what actually happened to Regini. Uh, there has been an autopsy, perhaps more than one autopsy, conducted by reputable uh, folks, not just the Egyptian forensic authority, uh, who determined, and they, those autopsies determined how he died. It was not from any gunshot. It was from torture, from snapping his neck, breaking his neck after after a series, you know, uh, traumatic blows to the head, other parts of his body, and so forth. He was tortured to death, pure and simple. And and I'm not sure what the point of raising any other and the idea that uh, that Ali or anyone else would have a video of this, of course, is well, that would be quite revelatory, but uh, there's no reason to think it would show Regani being shot, none whatsoever. Thank you very much, Joe, for raising your point. And um, Amelia, you you said that you mentioned Jamal Khashoggi and during your work interviewing people from Egypt, are you in danger as a journalist who covering Egyptian affairs? Are you... Well, sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm very aware that I am in a privileged position in the fact that I'm British and I live in the UK so my job interview or my work interviewing political prisoners or shedding light on Egyptian issues is, is very different for me than for journalists who, you know, who are Egyptian, who, who live in Egypt, who have family, who are being threatened there. So it's a very, I'm in a very, very different um, position than Egyptian reporters who bravely continue to shed light on what's happening in their home country. Yeah, and Joe, there is um, a repeated question in the last eight years from Egyptian people who are against this regime. They always ask human rights defenders and human rights organizations why you keep documenting violation, why the Western government are supporting this regime. It's precisely because they are these, these allied governments are supporting Sisi. That's one of the important reasons why we keep doing this documentation, uh, because it's important to bring that before the people who make these decisions in, in the United States. Anyway, it's important to bring it uh, to uh, the members of Congress who actually vote uh, on uh, things like military aid to Egypt and other countries. So, yeah, that's precisely why we do that. It's uh, it's 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 uh, it's in order to um, to try and exploit to make, to you know leverage uh, the uh, the what, what the uh, what what the Western governments what Washington Paris other other capitals uh, as 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 important allies of CC 
to 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 leverage that on our uh, on behalf of the Egyptians. But what gives you hope, Joe, as as a human rights expert, with all this frustration and this supporting from Western government to authoritarian regimes in in the world, with all human rights violation, what gives you hope? I think probably the thing that gives me most hope is 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 the courage uh, that I see on behalf of Egyptians, Egyptian rights activists, especially the ones who are still working inside the country, in some cases in very sort of clandestine fashion, uh, but others quite openly, quite bravely. Um, I don't think there's anything more encouraging that, than that, frankly. Yeah, and um, my final question to both of you, Amelia, what are your expectations for human rights in Egypt in 2022? Well, I mean, it hasn't got off to a very good start, has it, with this $2.5 billion arms deal with um, the US. But, I mean, I hope that as a journalist, I can, can continue to document the violations, continue to interview people, I want, that was one thing I wanted to add earlier was that from a reporter's point of view, it has become more difficult to get people to talk, to interview people, to get them to tell their stories, you know, because these violations are increasing so much. And, you know, increasingly either people just won't talk to you or they'll always want their name changed or, you know, certain details in the story, like the city they're from and to disguise who they are. And I think, I feel that's, you know, it's becoming harder. It didn't used to be like that. Um, and that North Sinai is very much, you know, an example of what can happen if you successfully impose a, a blackout on the media and human rights. But, you know, I, and I, but I do hope that these human rights workers and journalists continue to interview people and continue to document these violations and what's happening in Egypt. And Joe, are you optimistic this year will be better for human rights in Egypt? Uh, only in, a, in, in this sense that I think, I think the pressure on Sisi uh, is growing, certainly growing from the outside. Um, I think, yes, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the little bit of aid, the million dollar, you know, 1.3 million that, uh, that Biden withheld, it's a drop in the bucket. Uh, it's, it's not that significant, but it's significant that it happened. Uh, it's significant, I think, that those conditions were set and that uh, we did see some important releases, including Rami Shah's release. Um, and I think, I don't, I, you know, I haven't been able to visit Egypt since 2014. Uh, and that's the case for Human Rights Watch, broadly speaking. And I think for most international rights organizations, the same. And I so don't we, advise you to visit Egypt soon. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't think uh, my family would, would advise me either. Uh, but I think, you know, there's, so, I, so the, I, I can't tell, frankly. I haven't been there to, to know, to get a good sense of, what sorts of internal pressures are developing in in Egypt. Uh, but I think the outside pressures are important and those those are the ones we're going to keep working on. And we're going to keep supporting our colleague organizations and activists inside the country. Thank you very much, Joe Stork and Amelia Smith uh, for being with me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you to all our listeners and stay tuned every Tuesday, 9 p.m. GMT, London time for Untold Stories podcast. Bye.